you know, I encouraged her to unfollow me at that point because I really truly believe that if anyone is making you jealous that you should not be following them. But it made me think like, how am I serving people if this is how they feel when they're reading my post? To me, that wasn't deep enough and it wasn't serving in a way that would help people feel more confident. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode 125 of That's So Maven. Before we jump into today's episode with Tiffany Ema, I just want to thank our sponsor, which is Imperfect Foods. I talk about them each and every week because they're absolutely amazing and I get my box every week. And Imperfect Foods has now expanded beyond produce. So produce is a big piece of what they do, but they realize that if they're going to be running a company that's all about decreasing food waste and trying to make the grocery industry more sustainable, then they need to be able to allow people to buy things beyond just produce. So you can actually do a full grocery shop in there. They recognize that deliveries, whether it be with drivers or the boxes, that kind of stuff isn't always the most sustainable. So they've actually built out their program. So it's more than just produce. You can do a full grocery shop in there and they take the boxes back and they are reused and donated to centers that need the boxes. So pretty much the whole cycle is about as sustainable as it can be. So I love supporting their mission. I love that I can save money in the process and also help decrease food waste and just make a more sustainable choice when it comes to my grocery shopping. So if you guys are interested in trying out Imperfect Foods for yourself, make sure you use the code HEALTHYMAVEN at checkout. So if you head over to imperfect.com and sign up for your first box, you'll save 50% off your first box. So it's a really great deal. And I know they're in over 40 cities now across the US, which is so crazy to think about because I've been working with them since the very beginning. And they were just on the West Coast in a couple cities in California, Portland, and Seattle. And now they're all across the US. So I'm really, really excited for all of their growth. And I love being able to support their mission. So definitely go out and check them out. So let's chat about today's episode with Tiffany Ema. I have been so looking forward to sharing this episode. I loved getting to chat with her. We have a lot in common and we share a very similar story. So it was cool to hear her tell her journey and be able to share that with you guys. We talk a lot about body positivity and self-confidence and how that intersects with mental health and exercise addiction and so many different pieces to it because no one's life is simple. We all have many twists and turns and Tiffany's is no exception. So I'm so grateful that she was willing to come on the show to share more about her story and her best tips for helping to create a life of confidence and positivity, and especially for creative women or for women in business, how to incorporate those elements because it can be challenging at times to be confident when you're running your own business. So this definitely doesn't just apply if you run your own business, but there's certainly some great tips in there if you do. But with that, why don't we just jump into today's episode? I'll save all the notes for the end of the show and let's jump in. Here's Tiffany. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Davida. I'm so glad you invited me to come on. I'm so excited. Same. I can't wait to chat with you. I have so many questions for you. And I would love for you to kind of share with the audience a bit more about your journey and kind of how you got to where you are. Absolutely. So first, my name is Tiffany Ema, and I teach women to embrace their bodies and move with confidence. And that journey has been a long time coming because I truly believe that every woman has the power to be the most confident woman in any room. So I lay that out there and it took me years to come to that and to figure out that, that is what I wanted to do and how I wanted to serve my audience and the person that comes to my blog post, to my Instagram account and I started out as a style blogger in, I think, 2011 it was. And fast forward a few years later, I would say like five years or so, I transitioned into the fitness world. And kind of being in that world is what led me to the body confidence, body positivity niche. So now that is a very, very large nutshell (laughs) of how I got to where I am now. A lot of my journey has to do with my own struggles with mental health, with depression, 
um, specifically bipolar depression, where I would have these just super high highs for months. I would be all go, go, go. And I would feel like I was on top of the world. But then when I would crash, it would be awful. It would be, you know, months of depression. And I, I couldn't function the way that I should be functioning. Like, I would be able to go to work and, you know, get through days, but I couldn't have, you know, social interactions with my friends on any significant level. I would sleep all the time. I would binge watch TV all the time um, and eat a lot of hot Cheetos whenever I was depressed. <laughs> but I knew at some point in 2015, I knew that I was at the end of my rope and I couldn't live like that anymore. So between 2015 and 2016, I kind of transitioned into figuring out what was going on in my body, why I was always cycling the way that I was cycling. Um, and that was the year I finally decided that I would go to a doctor and get a diagnosis. And that is when I found out that I did have bipolar disorder. And for me, it was a eye-opening diagnosis because it made sense as to what I was experiencing and how it was making me interact with the world. So it made me pivot. Style blogging was something that kept me in the comparison game and it kept me really just wishing that I could be like other style bloggers and I would look at other people's content and look at other people's engagement and I would want to be like them. And I was no longer doing anything for myself and I didn't feel like I was serving very well. So I would, even when I shopped, I would go and say, oh, I bet my followers would like this outfit. And it wouldn't be things I'd be buying just because I wanted them. It just became so much about how many likes I could get. And I got to a place where I was like, they were not doing this anymore. This is, this is silly. I don't feel like myself anymore. And I don't want to continue doing this. So I made a complete pivot. I got a personal training certification and this was after I started incorporating fitness heavily into my self-care journey. Um, I decided that I would get a personal training certification so that I could learn more about fitness and become a trainer. And, you know, I went through the program. I was feeling better. I was doing great. But a year into blogging about fitness, I hit the same place. Now, because I had developed a self-care routine that would keep me from getting depressed, I wasn't in a place where I was like falling into depression, but I was in a place where I was comparing myself and, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, where I would be like, oh, well, you know, I would post about getting big butt workouts and like how to build your body the way that, you know, I don't know how to shape your body, get a small waist, big butt, like that kind of post that was kind of within the trends of fitness. and. I would say about six months ago, I started to feel again that this wasn't the right path and it wasn't what I wanted and it wasn't how I wanted to serve. So I took a break, I would say, I think in March or so, I took a break from Instagram and I really like thought about what I wanted to actually do and how I wanted to serve. And then over the last six months, I transitioned more into the body confidence atmosphere where it was more about teaching women that they are beautiful already and that they are beautiful exactly the way they are and how to use movement joyfully versus using it to like shape yourself into a ideal. Um, so that is a overview of how I got to the place I am today. And I'm so happy that this is where I landed. <laughs> I'm so happy that this is where you landed and it's, you know, it's completely full circle. It's really interesting to hear where you started and where you are now. And I'd love to kind of take things back to when you were style blogging before, you know, you received your diagnosis. Was exercise a part of your life at that time? Not so much. You know, I, when I was in high school, I ran track and I did all kinds of sports, but when I was in college is when I developed a eating disorder. Um, it started with a comment from a roommate that I had on my floor and it started out being exercise bulimia where I would eat a lot and then I would work out like for hours and hours. And then eventually it became full blown bulimia. It was just not a healthy relationship with the gym. So I would go to the gym here and there. Um, but it wasn't, super important to me. And I was still, you know, using it as, oh, I gained a little bit too much weight. Like, let me go work out 
and then I'll stop working out. So it wasn't a part of like a health journey. It was more of a, oh, I need to look a certain way. So I need to make sure I don't go past a certain threshold and then I'm good. So I didn't start incorporating fitness heavily again until after I got my diagnosis and started to be consistent with working out. It's interesting because I relate to a lot of what you're saying. And in many ways, I used exercise as a tool to kind of deal with my own insecurities and at some points with my mental health in both a positive and negative way. And that's Mm -hmm. such a tricky thing when it comes to exercise. And I'd love to have a conversation around this because it's something that I don't have sorted out. And I know a lot of people are trying to figure out, but how Mm -hmm. do you find that line between, you know, consistency to work out for your mental health, to feel good in your body, to just, you know, feel comfortable in who you are. And that like very fine line that you can cross where it becomes an obsession and it becomes this tool that, you know, you have to do and you feel a lot of exercise guilt if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. For me, it's something that has taken me a really long time to find that balance in my own life. And yet I still don't really know how to define it. So for you, you know, how did you go from kind of one extreme to the other and then come back to that center? Yes. So in general, exercise, because of how it's portrayed in the media as a tool to, you know, build a great body, get better abs. You look up exercise online and it's like six exercises for flat abs how to build a butt without growing your legs. Like it's like that kind of thing. So it's very easy to fall into the trap of exercise is a tool for making your body look a certain way. And it's hard, very, very hard to fall out of that because it's you're so bombarded with it, especially if you're on Instagram or any type of social media. So for me, I had to, first of all, recognize that that is where I was going. I remember one of the turning points for me was when one of my followers, someone who was very engaged, said to me something along the lines of, it's hard for me to follow fitness influencers because I'll never be able to build a body like that. And I remember having a conversation with her that was like, oh, you can definitely build a butt. Like it just takes this, this, and this. And she kept saying like, no, I've tried. And, you know, it's not like it doesn't really happen. And, you know, I encouraged her to unfollow me at that point because I really truly believe that if anyone is making you jealous that you should not be following them. But it made me think like, how am I serving people if this is how they feel when they're reading my post? And my only argument for them saying that they aren't able to do this is, oh, yeah, you can. Everyone could do it like that. To me, that wasn't deep enough and it wasn't serving in a way that would help people feel more confident, help women specifically feel more confident. So That was a pivot point that made me pause and look at my own fitness journey and how I was using fitness again and how I was serving my audience. So instead of, you know, feeling like I have to go to the gym five days a week and lift and do, you know, all these butt exercises, I had to think like, okay, how am I feeling in my body? I'm really stiff because I haven't stretched in over a week and I've been lifting heavy weights. I need to take a break. I need to pause, take some time off from lifting heavy weights. And, you know, maybe this week is going to be about recovery and flexibility and just really like being in your body and seeing how it feels so that you can understand what you actually need. Um, I think we push our bodies to do things so that it can look a certain way, but we don't actually give our body what it needs when it comes to exercise. Totally. So when it comes to getting to that point where you can make those choices that feel good for your body, what are your best tips for being able to kind of slow down, get rid of that noise and make those decisions for yourself? Because like you said, we're so bombarded with all this messaging that exercise is this tool to achieve a certain body. And yet there are so many other benefits to exercise that have nothing to do with the way that you look. And I think something that I know I've found challenging in the past and that other people really struggle with is how to get rid of all of that noise telling you that like, unless you're consistent, unless you're working up to looking a certain way or getting those abs or that butt or whatever it might be, then what's the point in doing it? There's kind of this all or nothing attitude when it comes Mm -hmm. to exercise and fitness. So I'd love to hear from you your best tips for, you know, getting back to that point where exercise is something that you do because it feels good in your body or not, or choosing not to. Yeah. And, you know, it really takes inner work and it takes time to break down mindsets like that. 
because that's truly what it is. It's a belief that you have built up in your mind based on, you know, other people, the media, the images that you see. So it's actually a belief that you have to tear down and it takes some time to do that. Um, my greatest tool for that is journaling. And I am currently writing a course that teaches women how to use journaling to build their body confidence. But I think journaling is a great way to pivot towards self-awareness, to start to understand where you are, where you need to be, where you want to be, and what your desires are, and to start steering your view of exercise from a health standpoint versus you know, an image standpoint. But it can be super difficult to do that while you're being bombarded with images. So if you're someone who truly struggles with that, I definitely encourage you to to literally shut down the noise by getting off social media, even if it's just for a couple of days, getting into your body and into your head and journaling, um, thinking about how you feel, like writing down your emotions and processing through those because ultimately it's not that women want to be skinny or want to be fit. Is that they want to feel beautiful and confident. So you have to kind of break down these all these mindsets that teach you that exercise is the way to be beautiful and confident because it's not. It comes from the inside. So you have to start to do that inner work to be able to radiate that beauty and confidence that you really desire instead of using exercise to try to bring it out. Totally. That completely resonates with me. And in my own journey, I had to take like a full break from exercise and from what I had defined as exercise Mm -hmm. and go back to basics. And in some ways, you know, it it was no exercise at all just to get back to a place where I could redefine what it meant for me and my body and learning to move from a place of self-love instead of moving from a place of self-hate. Exactly. So I know you talk a lot about mental health and your own struggles with mental health and that exercise is a tool for you. I'm curious, you know, what are some of the other tools that you use to take care of your mental health? Again, I know I mentioned it just a moment ago, but journaling is the ultimate tool. You know, when you write, it has the ability to truly affect you on a subconscious level as well. And it also helps you to remember things. And it helps you to have this journey that's documented that you can go back through and see where you were and where you are today. So for me, journaling is the absolute number one tool for building your journey to self-love. And having that coupled with a sustainable self-care routine is going to be the best way for you to manage your mental health. It is something that is so critical to take care of yourself, especially if you do deal with like a clinical mental health issue, um, not just like, oh, I get depressed sometime, but if you deal with something clinical, in addition to whatever you've been prescribed by your doctors, it's so important to have in place a system of awareness where you can see where you're slipping into these darker places and to be able to turn that around before you ever fall into it. Totally. I am the biggest fan of journaling. I just finished one of my journals. I have a couple different journals for different purposes. I like to kind of keep them segmented in that way. Mm -hmm. And I just finished kind of my general main journal and started a new one. But before I did, I went back and looked at some of my earlier entries, which is not something I typically do. Mm -hmm. But it was really interesting to read how much has changed and sort of what was plaguing me at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was a couple of years ago and, you know, how different my life looks now. And just having those realizations that we are capable of growth is just such an important reminder and a reason to sit down and get your thoughts to paper because one day you will look back and realize, oh, you know, stuff does shift and change. And yes, it requires action, but Mm -hmm. just setting that intention for change can be a really powerful tool. Oh my gosh, that is so true. And I'm so glad you were able to do that because it's so important to see where you came from because a lot of times if you are in a negative place or a negative mindset, it's easy to feel like that you haven't grown at all. But when you have a catalog of how you've grown, you can't deny it. You can't be like, oh, I didn't grow when you're like, you know, last year you were crying every day and you wrote that in your journal every day. But now you're able to, you know, be more confident, you know, something like that where you have made that shift And even if you have bad days, like it's okay to have those feelings and those emotions, but just to understand how far you have come. Totally. So in terms of 
anyone who maybe struggles with actually writing down their thoughts, or I know something that really made it difficult for me to journal for a long time was just having this perfectionist attitude. And I wanted to only do a practice that I was super consistent with. And, you know, that every day I was going to write in my journal. And when I'd miss a day, I was like, oh, well, it's all done. I'm not going to keep going with this. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to have this all or nothing attitude sometimes. And I know I'm not alone in that. And it's something that I've had to work through. But for people who have a lot of resistance to journaling, whether it be that perfectionist attitude or just a fear of, you know, writing down what might be on your mind, what are your best tips for actually making a point of journaling when maybe you struggle with making the time to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's so funny that you say that because what I found, because I specifically target creative women that are in the space of having online businesses or, you know, being really active in social media and, you know, they create content. We all tend to have this perfectionistic attitude when it comes to things that we produce, even if it's something that's only for our eyes. And that all or nothing mentality is quite common among all of us because I'm the, I'm the same way. And I've had journals in the past where I would fall off for years, <laughs> not just like a couple months or anything, but like actual years. And it's this thing where it's like, OK, if I don't have time to write three pages of journaling today, then I'm just not going to do it. But journaling can be done in so many different ways. I'm a huge advocate for pen and paper. But it doesn't mean that you have to write a page in a journal every day. It could be you have a planner that you wrote in and it says, I felt great today. It was a good day. And you catalog that feeling and that could be all you write. And that is journaling as well. And then you can kind of have just a general overview of what you are feeling. So if you're someone who struggles with, you know, kind of that blank page shock and that fear Um, You can even just try just writing a couple notes here and there, maybe on sticky notes, or you could type it into your computer, or you can even, you know, do it into your voice memos on your phone so that you don't have to, you know, worry about the the blank page. My hope is for everyone to transition into writing it down because study shows that it's going to be super beneficial for you and your growth. So I'm going to encourage everyone to get to that place, but it doesn't have to start there when you're building a daily practice. The next thing that you should try to do is set a time frame, something that is specific so that you can always come back to it. So like, let's just say you want to spend 10 minutes journaling a day. So you decide that, you know, 8 a.m. after you've finished brushing your teeth, you're going to sit down and journal for 10 minutes. Then you set a timer and then you write down what you need to write down for that day. So it's really it's really about just being consistent and not attaching as much like perfectionist attitude to it because it doesn't have to be perfect. It's something that's for you and it's going to help your growth. And, you know, I believe that if you are truly, truly serious about doing inner work and building yourself up and building your confidence and personal development is something that you will make a commitment to do no matter what. Totally. And I think also, you know, some degree of acceptance that life happens and that Mm -hmm. you can't always make the time for it. Because I'm someone who, you know, at one point I was using a meditation app that was tracking my daily meditation times and I was on a streak. And then, you know, something happened one day and I wasn't able to get to meditating. And so I, I ruined my streak. And then I was like, well, what's the point now? And so I'm someone who has to be very careful around that consistency. Mm-hmm. That consistency is very important and committing yourself to something is important, but you don't need to see that number. Mm-hmm. Consistency can be just showing up in whatever way you can. Exactly. With some degree of reflection on what might be happening in your life at that time and not seeing like a a 20 day streak. That's not what the most important thing is. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, the goal is never perfection in anything that you do. It is just doing what you can, exactly what you just said. And I think that we hear consistency with something like journaling and we think that it does have to be something that's every day. And, you know, even someone like me who's an avid journaler, I don't adhere to every day all the time. Sometimes I fall off, like I'm super tired and I just don't wake up as early as I used to and I don't have time to journal in the morning. But as long as you are always able to pick that back up, it's still going to benefit you and you're still going to be able to see improvement from it. 
I couldn't agree more. So something that I love about your brand is that you define it as simple wellness for creative women. And I think that was the first time that I heard of someone who is pairing these two very important ideas, wellness and creativity, and helping this community, especially women, creative women, incorporate more wellness into their life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what was your influence for wanting to bring more wellness and simple wellness in particular to creative women? It's so funny. Um, you know, as I as I listen to your podcast, I hear so many similarities between us, like, you know, loving a lot of different things, loving to be able to have their hands on everything. Um, just being someone who just enjoys diving into so many different aspects of um, creativity and not being able to stick to one. And I think that that is a pattern amongst so many different types of creative women. And once we do that, we have a tendency to start feeling like, oh, I don't know who I am. Like, I don't know where I'm going. Like, I don't know what to do. And it's something that can be honed in by just caring for yourself and really, really paying attention to your mind and your body. And when I was a style blogger, I was noticing that pattern. Um, even before I started doing wellness, I would hear the same tune from different women within the creative niches online. And it was just so much about, you know, mindset. And I could see similar mindsets among different creative women. And I knew that once I pivoted into wellness, that that is who I wanted to serve because it speaks to me so much. And I know that we have a tendency to not only be someone who doesn't take care of ourselves all the time. We like late nights. We like, you know, chasing down dreams. We like, we don't rest. I, <laughs> I would say we have a tendency to not rest the way that we need to. And I could see a need for someone who understood to be kind of in the gap and saying like, Hey, not only do you need to take care of yourself, but you don't have to complicate it. It doesn't have to be something that is like a step one through 10 every day of how to, you know, be well, like, oh, I have to have my green juice. I have to eat, I don't know, avocado toast. Like it, ha it doesn't have to be all these things that look healthy, um, but it can be very, very simple and an approach that is tailored to who you are as an individual. I love that. And, you know, for me, when it comes to taking care of myself, you know, obviously like there are the things like eating well and exercising and all of those things that we, we see very blatantly in our lives all the time and our constant reminders. And yet when it comes to my business, I find what's the most important for taking care of is my mental health. Mm -hmm. And what I always tell people is that when it comes to running a business, your most important asset is you. Mm -hmm. And so if you are not taking care of you, then you are not going to have a successful business. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, how do you communicate that message to people when we live in this hustle culture, this do more culture that, you know, wants everyone to prove their self-worth through their work? Yeah. And it is such a difficult thing. You know, you always see these messages that really are like, uh, you know, you got to grind until you die. And like, you know, you only live once. Like, just keep going. Like, you can sleep when you're dead. Like, that type of thing. And we get hit with those messages all the time. And it can be hard to get people to slow down and understand that they do need to slow down sometimes. Even for myself, I can have a hard time because I'm like, well, I got to do this, this, and this. But it's just a continual encouragement to teach people that, you can take on a slower living approach and still get the things done that you need to get done um, because it really is about honing in on your priorities and defining what it is that you actually want and what matters the most to you. Because what you find is that we have our heads in so many different places because we haven't taken the time to, to be inside our mind and our body and understand what it is that we actually want. A lot of times the things that we're pursuing we find out that we don't really actually want them. And for me, that was the case when I was a style blogger because I transitioned from style blogging into actually styling and I was targeting people who are speakers to help them build their wardrobe. And if I would have taken time to really like sit with it and decide if that is something that I actually wanted, 
that's where I would have ended up. I would have known like, this is not what I want. This isn't how I want to serve people. So it's this constant reminder that you have to take the time to just be quiet in yourself and understand what it is that you actually desire. I totally resonate with that. And I think that there's a lot of people hearing that who would agree with that statement in so many ways. I think something that people get really stuck with is fear. And, you know, you start to realize you're going in one direction and it's not really working for you on a more personal level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can relate this to my own experience where personally something isn't working for me, but professionally I'm telling myself this is, you know, something that I need to be doing. And I Mm -hmm. think it's because we have so much pressure to perform and we see people around us who are doing things that are similar to us. And so you feel like you need to show up in a certain way or do a certain task or engage in, you know, some kind of activity that personally doesn't necessarily feel aligned, but professionally feels like something you should be doing. How do you make decisions for your business that are also in line with your personal values? Because I feel like sometimes they don't always align. And sometimes it's feared that prevents us from making those decisions Mm -hmm. because, you know, we all want to succeed. We all want that gold star, right? Mm -hmm. And it can be very public too. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. The craziest thing about building a business and as I built mine and I'm working towards a course launch right now, there are things within that that don't align with what I like (laughs) and what I like to do. And there are if you're someone who runs a business, there are going to be some aspects that just don't align with who you are because so many different like moving parts and different technical things that you have to deal with. For those things, especially if you're a solopreneur, I would say that those are things that you are going to end up having to power through in some way, shape or form, just because they're necessary for business. But when it comes to like the totality of a business idea or a product or anything that you are working on, if that specifically doesn't align with your core values and who you are as an individual, those are where you need to pause and say, do I even want to pursue this? Because my philosophy is that if you're building a business for yourself, don't build something that you don't like or don't agree with. And don't do something just because you think it'd be popular or that people will will love it. You have to come from a place of service and, you know, you also need to be serving not only the people who are in your audience, but yourself, because that it's a cyclical service. And when you find your place within that, then you can actually serve well. And I find when you recognize that something doesn't align with who you are as a person, it is so critical that you remove it from your life because What's going to happen is it's going to burden you, it's going to affect your mental health. It's going to come across, especially if you're in a business. I think people are super intuitive about people who are just doing something versus being passionate about what they're doing. So it's just not, it's not going to serve anybody well, yourself or your audience, because they're going to pick up on that. And I think, you know, even in those moments where it's something that you don't necessarily like to do, like for me, like I do not like checking email. (laughs) I don't like tech And I don't like dealing with like connections and things like that. All of that. I don't like dealing with that. Um, But in those moments where I find myself not liking those tasks, I know that the message that I'm trying to send out, that I am so aligned with that, that it doesn't matter. And I can power through it because of the message, me being aligned with that message. So you have to be excited about what you teach or what you sell in order for it to be beneficial to you and your audience. I couldn't agree with that more. And I think you brought up a really good point, which is the difference between like activities or like certain tasks that you have to do when you run a business that you maybe don't want to do and the overall message and, Mm -hmm. you know, just the overall vision of what you're doing has to be in line with your values. And it's funny because I live in the Bay Area, so I'm surrounded by all of these startups and people who have these great business ideas that kind of just flounder just because it's a great idea doesn't necessarily mean that you will have 
the willpower to show up and do it every single day, which is something that requires a deep sense of passion and connection. Mm, exactly. And I watch a lot of people have great ideas that never see the light of day because things don't happen quickly when it comes to running a business. You know, it's very rare that you're going to see an overnight success. And even if you do have an overnight success, you know, you can't just start a business and then run away the next day. Right. You have to continue to show up every single day. And I think that's something that requires a deep sense of connection and having all of your values aligned. So even if you don't want to deal with accounting or emails or whatever it might be, you do it anyway because you believe in what you're doing. Exactly. So something that I love that you talk a lot about is body confidence in women. Is this something that you've noticed a connection between? I'm curious because it's something that I've kind of seen that any woman who is kind of in the spotlight or, or running a business and is maybe the front of the business, there seems to be some kind of history of struggling with body image and with body confidence. Yeah, it's something that I've definitely noticed, uh, especially being in the online world where it's, it's become a thing where for your business to grow, like people want to know who you are. So everyone posts pictures of themselves. Um, and everyone is wanting to connect to their audience. But when you put your, yourself out there like that, you are putting yourself on the line to be subjected to the societal rules of body image and what we should look like. So you'll see, you know, business owners struggling because they feel like they need to lose weight to look better on video or they're aging and they feel like they need to um, look better so that they can be on video or take pictures. And it's something that is so prevalent and it's not just prevalent, but it's deeply ingrained into our culture and the way that we have been taught to think about our bodies. So it's going to take a lot of messaging against it because it's so ingrained in us. And I think that having body confidence, it seems abstract when you say it, but the only way to achieve body confidence is by doing inner work that breaks down all of those mindsets and that deep set belief that skinny is better and that, you know, being a smaller bodies is better. And I don't just believe I know because I read studies <laughs> that people have different body shapes, people have different sizes, and that's not only OK, but it's scientific. And we all have this weight range that we fall into, but we try to push ourselves smaller, like outside of that weight range, because we think that it's what it's supposed to be like. Like we weren't meant to be, we weren't meant to be big. So we have to shrink ourselves. We weren't meant to be in this bigger body. And this, I actually saw a comment like this online a couple of days ago that it was, oh man, I just posted an IGTV story about this. Um, a YouTuber made a video about body positivity and how she was confused about the movement, how she felt like it didn't make any sense. And it was just consumeristic. And, you know, someone commented how they were in a larger body and they needed the body positive message because no matter what, they couldn't lose a bunch of weight. And people were commenting like, oh, well, have you checked, you know, to see if you have any autoimmune diseases or if you have thyroid disorder, because there's no way that you shouldn't lose weight if you've been eating better and exercising. And this is the messaging that people have deeply ingrained in them. And I think that's why it's hard for women who are at the forefront of their business to have a positive body image and not want to alter themselves. Because this is what actual people believe and say, not just believe, but they say it to other people and shame other women for how they look, even if they are in the body that is perfect for them as they are. Absolutely. And, you know, it's something that makes me really angry at times actually most of the time yep. <laughs> because men don't face the same you know the same shame and commentary like mm -hmm. a man can be respected for his business and no one will comment on his weight or what he looks like and yet a woman who's at the forefront of her business has to look a certain way on top of running a business and it's like what is wrong with the system exactly. that we're judging someone by the way that they look and not by who they are as a person and how they're serving their community. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but then we shame the women who speak out about their issues and their problems 
and tell them that, oh, you just need to be stronger. Like you shouldn't believe what people say. And this is your fault that you don't have self-esteem. And it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Like this, this is literally a message that's been taught to us since before we could even talk. And, you know, it makes me so upset because when a message like this has been deeply ingrained into us through the media, it also is going to take the media to help reverse that message and put truth out there. Um, because scientific studies about weight loss has been, they've been around. Like, it's not like they just started coming out when body positivity did. They've already been around. And, you know, you have weight loss companies funding studies, and that's what they put on, you know, the, the advertising these fake studies that are funded by weight loss companies who have stopped and people buying their product. And, you know, we've been lied to for years about health, about food, about weight loss. And it's time for it to stop. It's time for us to take control of that and rein it in and say, hey, no, this is what wellness looks like. And it's different for every person and every person doesn't have to look the same. Every person doesn't have to follow the same regimen. You don't have to eat the same foods as your neighbor. There's just so many different things that we've been lied to about. It becomes difficult to sift through all the information because there's so much misinformation out there. And, you know, I'm a strong believer that it's going to take a lot of us saying the same exact thing to break this messaging down. Totally. I mean, it's something where I feel like these conversations are happening all the time, which is a great thing, but I'm very much immersed in it. And I realize that there's a threshold that needs to be crossed and a lot of voices, a lot of noise needs to be made by the body positivity community to cross over that threshold Mm -hmm. and communicate to people who have been misinformed about what it means to be healthy. Exactly. And I totally agree with that. You know, I still, I'm a server and bartender by night. And I hear so many comments from women just about food and like what they're not going to get. Like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm watching my weight. I'm being good tonight. You know, I'm just going to get a salad with no dressing on it. I'm like, why are you spending $20 on a salad with that's just lettuce in it? I don't know. But, you know, it's that kind of mentality where, you know, you have these rules circling around about food that really aren't even true at all. And you restrict, restrict, restrict. And being inside a restaurant, I hear it all the time. Um, Because when I talk about body confidence and body positivity, people will literally say to me, like, oh, it's not that big of an issue. Like, that, you know, people don't really deal with this like this. I'm like, are you you kidding? Like, it's just so ingrained with us. Like, you know, I pick up a cookie and I say, oh, you know, I'm going to have to run this off later or Somebody offers me a donut and I'm like, oh, no, I can't. I'm being good today as if, you know, food should be attached to, you know, being a good or bad person, which it it shouldn't. It definitely shouldn't. It's food. It's fuel. It's enjoyment. It's pleasure. You know, it's all these things, but it definitely doesn't make you a good or bad person. Absolutely. I think that's a really important reminder for everyone. And also, like, going back to the conversation around consistency, understanding that like you can be healthy and you can care about your physical body and your emotional and mental health and eat a cookie. Exactly. It's not not either or. Like you don't have to fit into a label. And, you know, it's something that's interesting. I am often like identified as someone in the wellness community and have that label put on me. And I don't follow a specific diet. I don't have a consistent exercise regimen. Does that make me any less healthy? Absolutely not. Exactly. And that's something that I've had to come to terms with, but I certainly hear my fair share of commentary from people who disagree with that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as someone who is personally on an Instagram break, so the listeners are, are very familiar with my journey with the social media and trying to find a healthy place with it. I know you've taken a couple breaks of your own and have shifted what your messaging is and what your brand stands for. What are your best tips for having a healthy relationship with social media? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> it's funny. And I'm, you know, I'm so proud of you for doing that. Um, when I went to your Instagram page and saw that break, I'm like, oh, good for her. That's such a good thing to do. And I know, I know personally how difficult it can be. Um, especially when you feel like, oh, I'm running a business, like I have to be present and social, which in some ways is true. 
um, because of just just how online business works. But also, it's not 100% true. Like, you don't have to be there every single day and, you know, making sure that you, like, never take a break or anything like that. I think there's a couple ways to have a healthy relationship with social media. And the first one is you have to get rid of the mindset that you have to do anything on social media, that you have to be there in order for your business to run or if you're influencer and for you to, you know, be successful, you have to get rid of that mindset because it simply isn't true. There are plenty of people who run successful businesses without Instagram, believe it or not. <laughs> people <Yep>. still <laughs> do it. <laughs> and I, you know, what comes to mind is the one podcast episode you have with your friend. I can't remember her name, but the photographer who got her Instagram deleted. Oh, Bettina. Yes. One of my really good friends. And I was thinking about her and I'm like, you know, her Instagram that got deleted and throughout that time, her clients still had the same perception of her. They would still, you know, go ahead and recommend her. So her business could run without Instagram. Absolutely. Yep. So it's like, you know, you don't have to have it and it's easy to, to think that you do. Second thing you need to do is think about your social media as a place to connect. Almost every single person that I've connected with through like any influencer or brand that I love or um, even just random friends that I've made really have come through Instagram. And when you look at it as a place to connect and grow relationships versus a place to um, see your numbers grow, then you're automatically going to have a different relationship with it um, because it becomes less about you know your following and your like count and how many people look at your stories and more about the connections that you're making because that's what social media is supposed to do is supposed to bring us closer to people who are either they could be in our city or they can be halfway across the world. Totally. And it's important to have that mindset surrounding social media. Now, is it always easy to do that? No, because it's easy to get caught up in a numbers game, especially with Instagram and their constant updating to the algorithm and, you know, people with thousands and thousands of followers seeing engagement drop off. So it's hard to have that relationship, but it's not impossible to have that relationship. And, you know, number three is if you do need to take a break, just take it and, you know, don't don't get too worried about it. Just take the time off because at the end of the day, you are still able to be successful without it. So absolutely. And those are such amazing and powerful reminders, even for me. And it's funny because for as much as I may dislike Instagram and the issues that come with it, I'm also reminded of the number of people who I've met through the platform, some mm -hmm. of whom have become, you know, my best friends. And I've been in people's weddings through Instagram. So yep. I, I have to acknowledge that there are the positive sides and that if you're able to maintain that connection with those positive qualities of social media, then I think it can definitely be a healthy place for you. Oh, yes, totally agree. <laughs> so for the listeners who want to know more about you and follow your journey, where's the best place for people to connect with you? So Instagram <laughs> <laughs> is the platform that I use the most um, as far as talking to people daily. But my blog is my hub. I write well thought out posts um, that will help you to build your confidence and, you know, have a self-development routine. So you can find me on my blog at tiffanyema.com. And my Instagram account is just at Tiffany Ema. And those are going to be the best places to connect. The next thing I want you to do is go and sign up for my newsletter. It's called the Confidence Letters. And I send out these weekly letters of love to you every Tuesday. And you can go sign up at tiffanyema.com on my homepage. And you also receive the free guide, the five mindset shifts you need to boost your body confidence and then be enrolled into my um, confidence newsletters. Amazing. I'm going to go sign up for it right after we hang up. So Tiffany, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today and for sharing more about your journey. I know you're inspiring so many women. So I'm really grateful for your time and for you sharing your journey and your experiences here with us on the show. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I totally enjoyed our conversation. Me too.
Huge thanks to Tiffany for coming on the show today and for sharing more about her journey. I know I share a lot in common with her, and I have a feeling that a lot of you guys do too. So if you want to support the show in any way, if you want to continue the conversation, I would love if you join the THM Tribe, which is just facebook.com slash group slash THM Tribe, and also leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us out and helps us bring new guests on the show and be able to continue having these conversations. So thank you in advance if you would like to do that. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button too. That way you know when a new episode is live, which is usually every Wednesday, but occasionally I do take breaks and I know with the holidays coming up, I will be taking some breaks. So it's something that you're going to want to do. As for a little life update, things are same old here and I certainly can't complain about that. I'm liking this somewhat calmer season of my life. I've been teaching yoga. I've been working on the blog and just really excited about certain changes that are happening in my life and also just really getting into the groove of things with my business. I can't believe it's been seven years since I started The Healthy Maven and also three years since we moved to San Francisco. So the last few weeks have been kind of a time to reflect back on a lot of change that has happened in my life over the last seven years and how it's been a really positive thing, even though there's been some challenging moments in between. So I've just been reflecting a lot on things and it's been nice to have the space to be able to do that and to just, you know, give myself permission to look backwards and also take some time to be in the moment and then do some reflecting on what I want to bring forwards with me as I move into the future. So very exciting things. And I'm just super grateful that I get to do what I do for a living. It's so much fun. I genuinely wake up every day being excited that I get to run the Healthy Maven and get to have conversations like this here on the show. I just love being able to connect with you guys and be able to share my journey and my experiences with all of you. So I'm so grateful for everybody who has supported me on this journey, though I will say there's going to be some changes coming up. So stay tuned for that. And also there is a very big announcement on the blog on Thursday. So tomorrow, you do not want to miss this. So make sure you head over to thehealthymaven.com and check it out or sign up for my newsletter because then you'll be emailed directly all about it. So I'll include a link to the newsletter in the show notes. And that's a great place where you can get my once a week email update sharing new stuff that's coming out on the blog. So if you haven't already done that, I highly recommend that you do that because that's really where I've been focusing a lot of my energy lately has been on the blog and through the Healthy Maven. And it's been really, really fun to get to explore all different topics from clean beauty to healthy recipes to how to take better care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, all the pieces, stuff that I'm exploring in my own life and hopefully can be helpful to you guys. So if you want to check that out, make sure you head over to The Healthy Maven and sign up for the newsletter. As for next week on the show, I'm really excited to share this conversation. I chatted with a mushroom expert. His name is Jeff Chilton, and he's president of a company called Namex, and they produce mushroom extracts. So we chatted all about the different medicinal mushrooms out there and what to look out for when it comes to purchasing mushroom products, because I'm sure you guys have seen in the last few years, there's been a lot more talk around the benefits of mushrooms and a lot more products coming out, but not all of them are high quality products. And so we're going to chat about why that is, where you should be sourcing from, what you should be sourcing, and just breaking it down when it comes to shrooms. It's a really, really good one. So stay tuned for that. That's coming out next week and lots of great new episodes coming out to finish out the new year, which is so crazy to think there's only two more months left in the year. I have no idea where 2019 went, especially because 2018 was a particularly slow and long year for me. 2019 has just flown by. So it's been kind of crazy, but very excited for everything that is to come. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week and I will chat with you again next week. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you.